0: Hey everybody, this is Chris from the Running Rogue Podcast coming at you live from Boston. Steve is with me. Hey Steve. Hello, Chris. We're all
1: by our lonesomes in this room.
0: <laughs> we're holed up <laughs> in a
1: secret, secret hotel. top secret location.
0: Top, top secret location. We are in, not uh, in
1: Cambridge. we don't have a, a a pimp desk that we're sitting behind like the let's run guys with their uh their entire podcast scenario that they've got going on over there but
0: but we did bring our podcast gear so we've got our mics we're all ready to go we're super excited to bring you this episode because it's going to be all boston for the entire time and we couldn't be more excited to be here to watch any predictions on running time we will be a (laughs)
1: historical race (laughs) Any running time predictions for our for podcast? this? Yeah, <laughs> gosh, you know, on we one spent day- we spent three hours in a car going up to Dallas and back from Dallas this week. <laughs> we didn't we didn't exhaust the oppor- the possibilities, right. did we? <laughs> we gotta save some for Monday morning though. <laughs> but I really don't
0: know. On one hand, I'm thinking it won't be that. It, we're gonna go at least an hour. There's no doubt. Yeah. So this show is gonna be all Boston all the time. We're gonna talk race previews. And, of course, give our predictions for both the women's and the men's race for what we believe will be a historic Boston for the 122nd running. So, before we dive into the races, and we're going to go men's first, then women's, want to just kind of give some overview of things so that you can tune in and learn all you need to learn on Monday morning about what's going on with these races. First thing, of course, is TV options, We're going to certainly recommend that you pull up your own feed wherever you happen to be. Nationally, the race is going to be broadcast on NBC Sports and NBC Sports Gold if you happen to have a membership to the paywall. There will be a pre-show on the Olympic channel followed by the actual race shown on the NBC Sports Network. And then you can watch a replay of the race on Universal HD later in the evening if you have to work and can't catch it until the nighttime. So that's the sort of U.S. national feeds in Boston. It's going to be on the WBZ affiliate as it has been in the last several years, which is actually the CBS affiliate here if you're in Boston, which is the one we'll be watching. And if you're international tuning in, we know in the U.K., BBC will have it. And you can also check out BAA.org for the country-by-country country info on where you can get your, your live feed. So check into that. Make sure you know exactly where you're going to be tuning in. The race, the women's race, starts at 9.32 Eastern with the rest of the open races kicking off at 10 a.m. Eastern. As for us, as we promised, we'll be on Facebook Live. So you can watch us watch the race and hopefully uh, maybe turn down your audio and use our audio to to check in on the race as we're going to be giving live commentary all morning starting at 9.15 Eastern and going until we decide to go see Rogues at the finish line. So TBD on our finish time, but we'll definitely be covering all of the elite races on Facebook Live. For those that are in Boston, if you're a listener, Steve and I are gonna be camping out at bar ten at the Weston Copley Square at 1.30 PM tomorrow Sunday. So if you wanna come meet us, say hello and get some perhaps last minute and tips and encouragement for your race, then come see us. We'll be at bar ten at the Weston Copley. That's the lobby bar there at 1.30 PM. And if nobody shows,
1: then we'll be several beers in. Steve hanging out on our own. Yep. Well, <laughs> I'll be several beers beers in. You, you've gotta, gotta you've gotta got a. I've got a little si dough to do. So right after that,
0: <laughs> for the rogues and or podcast members, we've got a little team only prep talk that we'll be giving at three p.m. Yeah. So that's the basics on how to check in and tune into the race. The first thing before we jump into the races, Steve, we gotta talk about weather. It's been the talk of every athlete, certainly that I know who's coming up to do the race. Of course, normally weather is a topic for Boston in the past. Mostly it's been about potential heat that will be coming, but this time it's not about the heat. It's about the wind and the rain that might be coming to us on Monday morning. So first I guess we just got to set the table there. I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting. One thing I I always tell people is you got to make sure as a participant or as somebody watching that you got to check the weather in Hopkinton and sort of along the route as well as in Boston because they're often different. Last year I did the race in, no, two years ago in 2016, I did the race and it was think 12 or 13 degrees warmer in hopkinton yeah. than it was in boston so that made for a warmer day than everybody expected because we'd all been checking the boston forecast as it relates to this monday because it looks like there's going to be some version of a headwind the wind does look to be less crazy inland versus in boston proper so that would be good news for those racing but it is likely going to be wet so before we jump into our race preview, Steve, any final tips for those running on how to manage the weather or what to think about with the weather?
1: Well, anybody that listened to our Boston tips, we talked about cutting the course in half, by which we meant um, choosing one side or the other side of the road, especially after the first four miles, um, to sort of ensure that you're not uh, running too many meters or too much time, too many, too much further along the route And so we said choose either center left or center right, and in this case, we're definitely recommending center left, so that you have the ability to at least have some of the crowd cutting into that wind, which is going to be coming pretty much directly at our runners. Um, That has not changed. It seems like uh, the wind is kind of come right in their face. And Hopkinton, it seems like it's going to be somewhere between fifteen and twenty miles an hour, and then as they go into boston it'll be upwards of about 20 and miles per hour um again this is really probably not a a huge issue for most of the people who are going to be racing this race um in fact you know i don't think it's even going to impact too much the people who are running 240 to 245 i think it'll impact them more than it does our you know a 330 marathoner but um but I don't think it's going to have such a huge impact as as people are worried about. I think the worst part of this, Chris, is the folks who get out there and having to stand in weather conditions that are not, we are talking 100% chance of rain. That has not fluctuated for the last week. Um, And it doesn't look to go below 100% um, really until late in the afternoon. So you're going to get wet. Um, Having a, you know, some kind of a, umbrella or very permeable weather you know rain gear will be probably important as eventually you have to get off that bus and (laughs) find a place so um again i think the biggest issue is staying warm and not freaking out in the in the in the rain that it is necessarily what's going to happen with the wind for the vast majority of our of our listeners or or people who are running the race on monday
0: yeah we talked about in episode 69 you got to roll with the punches that boston gives you i think there's a it's appropriate that the mascot for Boston is a unicorn because <laughs> getting perfect weather in Boston is pretty much unicorn is unicorn sighting material because if it's not hot, it's windy and wet or it's freezing cold and blizzard conditions. So you just never know what you're going to get. You've got to just roll with the punches. As Steve said, I don't think it's going to impact you as much as you think, but do be smart about your preparations. Make sure you have a poncho or a trash bag. You can put over yourself to stay as dry as you can as long as possible. Bring layers that you can toss at the start line. I want to caution people not to overdress underneath those layers because I think once you get going and get moving, it's not going to be too bad. As if it were me and I was out there running, I would be in still short short sleeves, a singlet and gloves and shorts. Perhaps a beanie that I could toss as I got going and warmed up, or I could tuck into my pocket, uh, which is something I did in Houston. So certainly make sure you're dressing appropriately for that weight at the Athletes Village or in the private bus parking lot. Beyond that, as Steve alluded, be very aware of your drafting opportunities. For most of you, you're going to have thousands of runners in front of you. And so if you can tuck in away from the wind, then you should do it. And it's going to be better to be tucked in versus leading any little pack as you head towards Boston proper. But you know there was similar weather in 2015, and uh, lots of our runners had really good days that day. We had one 2:30 marathoner who ended up getting kind of caught out and alone and yep. sh- running straight into the wind, and his day was tough. But everybody who ran sort of 2:40 or or slower than that seemed to still have good days in spite of similar conditions. So. Stay positive,
1: roll with the punches, you've got this. Another thing, Chris, uh, two other points I want to make. You made some uh, apparel suggestions. The one apparel suggestion I would make um, is if you have never run with a ball cap in the rain, I think you'll be shocked at how how useful it is. Um, I don't know if I would wear a beanie, but I would almost positively wear a ball cap just in case that rain gets in your face and in your eyes. You can actually pull it down as low as you can on your face. Um, and it really seems to help a lot. So I would highly suggest a baseball cap. Um, and then also the other thing is, um, to be in a situation where, um, you're paying attention. You know, we always talk about, we've talked about tangents in other races. And in this case, it's just picking the bodies in front of you that you think can help you the most. There's a, there may be occasions where, especially for the faster of you guys, where staying back a little bit longer and remembering to, to, to run a conservative race and not go out so fast is even more important here. You'll be cold and wet and probably feel like you want to get up and go. Please continue to follow the race plan that we suggested and, and, and go out slowly your first four to five miles before you start locking into, into race pace.
0: We also believe the weather will probably more impact the strategy at least as it relates to the elite races, especially the women who are going to be stuck out in it on their own with the early start. I feel bad for those elite women who can't hang with the the top because they're going to be running solo time trials into a headwind, which is not easy. But that will definitely affect tactics, which we'll talk about as we dive into each race. So let's do that. We'll start on the men's side. We're going to break down the key contenders with the Americans, of course, and then talk about how we think the race will go, predictions, etc. On the men's side... Steve, let's start with the international field. In some ways this field is tougher than than Galen Rupp faced last year. We've got the defending champion and world champion, Jeff, Jeffrey Crewe, who did not have a loss last year and who showed the ability to drop 435 miles at mile 23 in Boston, which is certainly certainly gonna be tough to contend with. You've got Tamarat Tola, the Ethiopian, who is was second at the World Champs and has shown to be on form. He also was very confident in the press conferences yesterday. You've got Lalisa de Sisa, who has won Boston twice, finished second once, and who was also part of that breaking two project last spring. So he he set out a spring marathon last year. And then you've got Lemmy Berhanu, who won a couple of years ago, although he DNF'd last year. Those seem to be the five big players. Before we go to the Americans, what's your take on the international field?
1: Well, I guess a couple of things. Um, you know, th- I think this field is way better than last year. And I think it really does kind of open up the door, especially if there's sort of a slower tactical affair going on um, where where surprises can happen. I, I still don't think it's going to impact the big three. I think you're going to have three runners. I believe you'll have three runners that have a chance to win it, and I don't think the others really have that great a chance. The big three for me are um, Karui, uh, Joffrey Karui, and uh, um, Galen Rupp from the U.S., and then Tamarat Tola, who I am, I am so close. If I hadn't already made a big bold statement earlier in the year i probably would be picking Tola. um his his year has been his last his last you know he's been in some great races recently and he's just come up a little bit shy um you know he got silver at worlds to karui he got at the olympics he got 10k bronze which is huge chris i mean that's big time rolling right there yep. and and he broke the course record in Dubai last year. The problem with Tola is he ran Dubai this year, too, and he won. And he ran fast, you know, 204. So how – I think it's like 10 or 12 – 10 weeks, 12 weeks or something like that differential between the two races. And that worries me. And um, any chance that I hadn't already blown by making a big, bold statement about picking Joffrey Karui, I'd, I might lean toward that. But that Dubai race seems to me to be a little bit close but i do think chris one of the things we might see here strategically is a little bit of a little bit of gamesmanship from the ethiopians who are known for making making sacrifices for their leaders um i don't think you'll see Decesa do it but i do think you might see berhanu um or you might see um i think you might see Sir berhanu do some work for him and maybe desisa will i don't know but um I do that. There is a little bit of a chance of that. Uh, the other side of this, Chris, is looking at the other Kenyans. There is four or five Kenyans in that in that two hundred four to two hundred five range, all of whom can be sneaky guys. And you know, we've never we never talked about Wilson Chebet ever until two thousand fourteen, when if it weren't for some wily, um, really smart running by Meb Keflezighi, he Meb might have run just a little bit short there, but uh, Wilson couldn't get him. So you know there is that chance always that some Kenyan you don't know is going to make something happen. Um, so I haven't yet talked we haven't talked yet about the crew thing, but I'll, I'll just leave it there first until you give us your take on that and maybe some arguments or, or well, some
0: one, two things on Tola quickly. One correction is he got third in Dubai. still ran to a four Oh six. Okay. You yeah. Got third, third. All right. But still that's blazing fast. And it is a a quick, quick turnaround. And I apparently in the press conferences yesterday, as agent expressed, some concern about that. But the other thing with Tola is that he went for it at the World Champs against Karui. He, he threw his own haymakers in there, and ultimately Karui came back on him and, and put him away at the end. But he's shown to be someone who can run boldly and who isn't afraid of Karui. So you've got to like that attitude about him and he expressed apparently significant confidence in his press conference yesterday he also is training with guille adola who took kipchoge to task and almost beat him in berlin Berlin. last year so you got to think he has confidence going into this having having adola as his training partner so i don't know but but we know we know what happens to marathoners when they go back-to-back to back too quickly. I mean, we saw it happen with Kip Legott. She had two and a half months between Worlds and New York, and yeah, she still finished second in Worlds and fourth in New York, but it does take a little bit of that edge off when it comes to the final 10K if things are close. So that does put, for me, a big kind of cloud of concern over Tola's ability to bounce back. You know, the other thing is DeCisa is talking a big game in this one as well. He says he's back on form after really struggling at, in the breaking two actual event last year. He said he was kind of dinged up and didn't have solid training going into that. So he was talking about how, you know, he wasn't in a good spot then, but is now. And he's won this race twice, a second, a third time. And so, you know... How much of that is real and how much of that is just, you know, him talking himself up, t- you know, to try to make his sponsors happy in the pre-race press conference, All la uh, our uh, our buddy Wilson kept saying, well, you know, though, <laughs> and, and, he
1: did get third at, at New York City. So it, it, he did rally back and and get himself into a good position. So. You know, it, it, there is that, uh, you can see him maybe stretching a line through and getting back and winning. He has won it at Boston twice, too. So, yes. you know, if this were anyone other than Karui, I mean, if we didn't have these big three who aren't as quite as big as the three that we'll be talking about in a week when we talk about London, but they are, um, we would be talking probably and calling him as the definitive favorite, but he just has some other big boys that he's racing against. The other thing too, anybody that watched that that breaking 2 um movie video uh presentation whatever it was, uh, advertisement for Nike. Um he he was definitely at a low point there, you know. And and I don't I wouldn't sleep on him from that perspective. You could definitely see his training wasn't right. I don't even know if he knew how to train Chris. It seemed like they made more adjustments to his training than they made to anybody else's. I think they said in that they did nothing to change what Kipchoge was doing as if he would let them. But the said needed help. So, um, but I do think, I just don't think he's going to, I think he'll be in there. I think he'll throw some haymakers. I think he'll, he'll pl- play a factor in the storyline that goes through this race. But I just don't think he'll be there when it matters. And I think that too much, Firepower in front of him will 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 rele- relegate him into the fourth, fifth, or sixth position, likely.
0: Well, and then of course you've got Burhani, who has won before as well, two years ago. So you've got three former champions in this race, plus guys that have finished second and third. So it's interesting to me that it seems like the pundits and the experts are picking up significantly. There's a lot of that happening, and yet this in my opinion is perhaps other than the olympic games the toughest field he's faced in certainly in a world marathon major so i don't think it's a it's such a given that rupp has a chance even to win this thing so let's talk about rupp for a second his interview from the press conferences yesterday he's very confident he says he's quote running significantly more mileage this time than in previous buildups, which I don't understand how that's possible because he was probably already doing 120 miles a week. Well, that should tell you. that <laughs>
1: made, I mean, significantly, I would say he's at least 15 to 20 miles a week more if, if you're going to say significantly. significantly. That would be a number I would need it to be to be significant. But he was coy about what that distance he actually was. He didn't give a number. Yeah.
0: And he also said that he's been able to do some of the speed stuff, the shorter stuff, this cycle, whereas in the past cycles, he struggled with balancing both the volume and the speed. So and he, plantar fasciitis. And, right, and other, issues, yeah. other issues. So he's yeah. super, super confident walking into this one, says he's fitter than ever. And we know he's racing for the win. He's certainly not one to ever shy away from staying with any move that's made. But can he, can he contend with this very stacked
1: international field? Oh, he'll contend. <laughs> I Not only will he contend, I think he's, I don't, I don't, call him the favorite, because I don't know how you can, how you can, in a head-to-head against Karui, he was beaten at the same race, and beaten, trounced soundly, and then Karui goes ahead and wins a couple months later the world championship over Tola. Um, I just don't see how anybody can call Galen Rupp the clear favorite based on his coaches or his predictions of greatness in their workouts and what they've done in training. I do think we'll see a ferocious Galen, and I think we may see a Galen that's in better shape and better fitness and more prepared for a marathon than ever. But I don't think it's going to matter. I don't think it's going to make a difference. I think even if they're even if he and Karui are together turning left on Boylston, I still think it's not possible for Galen to beat him. Now, I do think that that's pretty a bold statement there because anybody that would th- would think that you know Galen could outkick him. But I don't know, Karui, I don't think Karui will let it get to that point, but I I don't, and if he does, he might be in trouble, but I still think he'll find a way to win this race. He just seems to have that extra special thing that is necessary to win these kinds of things, Chris. So to me, that then begs the question, under
0: what scenario can Rubb win? Is there anything he can do, aside from Karui having a bad day, wilting in the rain or melting in the rain and, and or wilting in the wind or or stepping in a hole is there something Rupp can
1: do to put him on the ropes yes i do think there is we saw karui on the ropes at the world championships and tola put him on the ropes by making hard pushes from eight from 30k out and hoping and 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 holding that for i think he stayed out to the 21st or 24th third mile, 21st or 22nd mile I can't remember exactly but he was throwing for over a 5k he was throwing different surges and things at him and had crew backed off because he didn't want to follow how hard that was I guess either crew was hard to tell if he was in trouble or if he was just measuring himself I seem to think that he was measuring himself but I do think a guy like Rupp has the ability as he did if he can run the last five miles at 440 pace per mile as he did at Chicago then he can get Karui as far to, as close to the ropes as he possibly can, but he can't. I don't think he can make a move early, Chris. I think he's got to make a move at 21 or so. Stay in front of of Karui and stay and not let him come by him. Ala Ala Mofera on the track in the 10k and the 5k. Um, that's a lot to do, and the wind. They'll be running straight into the headwind at that point in time, and he's a bigger guy than Karui is. Even as, as you know, Galen's a tallish guy, but he's pretty lean. But Karui is a is a slip of a man in comparison to Galen Rupp, and so. But I do think that's the way I would suggest, if I were his coach, how to do it is to try to stay out of trouble for as long as he can, to try to stay out of the wind for as long as possible, try not to take the lead at any point in time, but make it somewhere at the bottom of heartbreak or coming off the top of heartbreak, and make a long sustained effort as he did in Chicago, um, and. And run really, really fast. We know, as we made suggestions to all of our athletes, Chris, this last five miles is blazing fast. Um, it won't be as fast on Monday with for the leaders because of the wind, but it still is a really, really fast last bit. What do you think? Rupp well, can Well, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, Rep
0: yesterday in his interviews talked about being patient through Newton last year. I think he got a little bit of a, a little antsy, and when things started to dawdle a little bit, he took the pace. And so he admitted that that was a mistake. So I definitely think you're going to see him be patient all the way through Newton. But I question whether or not anyone can take the headwind for five miles and run anybody off their wheel, especially someone of his height who would allow th- those guys to just tuck in behind him. I sort of think about Kara Goucher in 2009 when with 10K to go, she got impatient and then led five Kenyan and, and East African women to fast times and ended up getting third. Uh, she couldn't quite close on Boylston as as those others had just been sort of in her slipstream. So I I would see if he makes that move and maybe that is the only move he has, I would see that he would just sort of carry Karui and Tola to Yeah. To uh to fast Times and they would niff him the other option. The final mile.
1: Tola's pretty tall too. So Tola's not quite as tall as Galen, but he's still tall but he's skinnier than Galen is. Um, I do think the other thing Galen, Galen can do is wait till he turns left on Boylston, and that's about a thousand meters out, and then measure himself. And when he gets about eight hundred to six hundred out, to make a big bold push and try to push all the way through to the finish. By that time, the wind will be anywhere near. them. they won't have any wind because the wind won't come through that all those all those buildings that are there at that point. Um, and he may have a shot to do that. That's another tactic he may take. Um, and if he does, I think that's probably as I'm thinking about it now, it's really probably the best way for him to win is to wait to the wait, very, wait. very, very last second to get the win because he probably has better, he believes he has better wheels. Um, and he might, but I, I don't think, you know, we haven't talked much about Karui yet, which I'm sure we will in a second, but uh, you, you can only imagine that he is in better shape. He's laid very low, hasn't raced much. Nobody's heard much from him. Um, and his coach is. his coach is also an incredibly uh great, incredibly good at strategy and putting together the pieces in in Renato Canova Canova so we should we'll see how that plays out but um i just think you know in my in my belief here i think it's going to be Karui who's going to get the win and i think he can win it a wide a wide range of different ways the one thing that we haven't talked about yet chris is what if one of these Kenyans or if de sisa or buhanu decides to go early or to make some kind of commitment to go early Will anybody let? Will anybody let? If any one of our big three go with them, is there any way the other guys will let them go?
0: I don't think so. I also don't think any of them will do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if anybody's going to go off the front, it's going to be Stanley B. Watt, <laughs> <laughs> somebody like that. I think from, one of the other Kenyans could do it too, from though. Hansensburg yep. project. Somebody that we haven't mentioned so far, I think would would be the sacrificial lamb thinking that's the only way they could potentially win is to is if everybody let them go and so let's let's talk quickly other americans then we can get to your our predictions so stanley b what berks hansen's project athlete he joined that group in the past year last year he was training in sacramento pretty much solo but finished fourth in this race Says he's had a better, more consistent build this time, although I'm not sure that that matters, given that he's up against this field. But he's another American to watch in the black, yellow, and red Hanson's Brooks Project kit. You've also got Abdi Abnerrahman, who is now 41 years old, still kicking. Has never had a great Boston, I don't think, but has certainly been great in, in Olympic trials races, as well as in New York, in the New York Marathon. Forty one now and I don't know if you saw, but he, apparently he's training in East Africa with Mo Farah. Wow. Right now in the build up to this. Interesting. With with, with uh good old Mo Farah. Yeah. Mopo P- Mo P- Farah.
1: I did read that because he said that Mo Farah was running him off his running him off his wheel. So <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how that plays, but I did see that uh, Abdi did say he's going for the win. I'm going for the win, man. What else would I do? Of course, of course yeah. he is, and I'll and tell you what—that guy's a wily little. He'll I mean, be that guy, in there. He'll be there, and he—if he—he'll do something. He'll make sure his sponsors get there. He would be somebody that I could see just go off the front. Absolutely, and it will and it will be ugly to watch <laughs> at the end. But. All
0: right, so let's talk predictions. You've said Karui. Before you've said it now, clearly that's your pick for number one. Who would you have rounding out the
1: podium? I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Rupp for a second, even though Tola has a lot of other things going for him. I just think that if Galen and Alberto are saying that he's in the best marathon shape ever, I don't think Tola has quite enough mar. I don't think he's enough of a better marathoner. They haven't raced, hasn't beaten him. I mean, beat him at the in the Olympics when Galen was fifth at the Olympics and he was third at the Olympics. But this is a different game. Um it's really hard to do. I mean I there's a large part of me wants to put Tola in second, but I just think Galen has magic. He really wants to get this done here. Um I don't think he's got enough to beat Karui. So that's my top three. I'm going I'm going uh with Karui for the win, Rup for second and putting Tola in at third. What about you, Chris? Are we gonna be are we Damn gonna be it. the same? Damn it. <laughs> you were hoping to get some point separation there. <laughs>
0: I have the same picks. Karui, yep. Reptola. Tola. I would probably put Tola in second if he hadn't run Dubai. Mm-hmm. I think I've got DeCisa in fourth. And so I think he could surprise potentially, depending on his form. Well, if
1: we're throwing a fourth out there, then I'm gonna put in I'm gonna put in um Felix Candy as as my fourth just for the wild card. He's gone under two six He's run two or six in three different marathons. He was fourth at Berlin. And I think that's one of those guys, one of those Kenyans who's going to be sneaky and wily. He's going to might get in there. So I'm going to put him as my fourth place All wild right. card. So, so we've, that's got one, we've got one there. separator wow.
0: there. That's crazy. But yeah, the more... I mean, I, I mean, the thing is, though, it's like the thing we got to remind people is that because of the weather and because it's Boston...
1: Yeah, what's the winning time? That's another separator I mean, we could do. Anything could happen, though. Yeah. My
0: point is that it, this is one of the, Even though... It's easy to say, well, if you look at it on paper, this is the way it's going to play out. But given the weather, given the fact that it's Boston, anything can happen. And so I feel about as confident in my picks, you know, as I do that it's going to be 70 degrees on Monday. So, <laughs> so you know, it's, it's, it's certainly tough. And even though it seems straightforward, I think anything could really happen, which is why it's going to be so fun to watch
1: in terms of time. I mean, I think if they run two hundred nine, that'll be fast. I agree. I mean, I will be shocked if it's under two ten. Yeah. I just think the wind and the weather. Even if the wind isn't that bad, it's given everybody an excuse not to run fast. Um, and anybody that goes off the front will be chewed up. Now there is that chance where somebody does get off the front, one of these Kenyans or one of these Ethiopians, and nobody goes with him, and he does it by himself. The problem is, is the wind being as tough at it. If it ends being as hard as it is, it's just going to be too hard to stay away. It'll be like the Tour de France when 80 to 80, 90% of the time the peloton catches the lead group with you know a mile to go and then it turns into a sprint and i think that that's going to happen no matter what as they start to get the details on how far away the other thing chris that i think is interesting you know when you talk about things being unpredictable when you have a big field that will be running at 210 pace these guys are capable of running 5 minutes faster you know, that's 10 seconds to 12 seconds per mile faster than they're running here. They It'll be like a track race. And I do think the athletes like Tola and Galen are in a huge, are in much better position because of their experience being on a track in tight quarters. Um, and maybe this is a place where Joffrey Karui has a big problem um, because he could get tripped from behind. If somebody gets tripped, tripped up and goes down hard, that could be something that actually changes this race completely. I just don't see Galen going down. You know what I mean? I just think he's he's got that track pedigree that where bodies are really, really really close together, running very, very fast. He knows how to—he's got a great body sense. I don't think that'll be a problem. And I think Tola, since he's run so well on the track as well, he's likely not to have the same problem. So those are the kinds of things we'll be looking at as separators, um, which at the end of the day is kind of like— um, you know, coming down and coming down to the last drive at the, in the Super Bowl, or coming down to, you know, the the final f- minute in a basketball game. You know, I think that's what we'll be talking about, and it'll be make for an exciting, incredibly exciting race.
0: Yeah, both of these could go down to Boylson for sure. If we're talking about time predictions, I predict that. The men and the women run the same time roughly for the first 5K. (laughs) (laughs) Could very well be the case. I think that the odds of that happening are probably better than me picking all three podium winners correctly. (laughs) So that'll be interesting to watch. Now,
1: anything else on the men's race you want to talk about? Uh, not really. I'm not going to make any statements about Andrew Bumbleo this time since I always try to, well, I always try to give well, him love. I mean, but we
0: got to mention him. He is, he is a Bowerman Track Club member. And
1: I would have mentioned him except he got 25th in his last race. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, he, like,
0: he's, this is his second marathon, first Boston. No, his third. No, is this his third marathon? It's his third marathon. Third I, marathon. D- I
1: think he might have DNF'd in his first First one. Boston. Yeah. Second
0: or third first Boston. Yeah. Bowman Track Club member basically went from the 5k straight to the marathon nearly, right? Yep, pretty so, much. But we haven't heard a lot from him mm. in the last couple of years, you know, and if it was a female Bowman Track Club member, we'd be <laughs> like, she might damn near win the race, but yep. the the guy side of things hasn't been so solid outside of Mohamed, uh,
1: Canadian. So what do you think? I mean, do you think? I don't he think he's going to do have, anything here. No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't, I, I would hope to, he would, but I just don't think so. I don't think um, you just don't think that will, that would be the case.
0: The true test for me with him is not necessarily how he finishes, but he damn well better go with the lead pack and stick his nose in it as long as he can until he just mushroom clouds <laughs> into vapor. Because if he doesn't do that, then not that tells me that he's not, he doesn't have a chance and and in this race it, it would be suicide because he'd end up all by himself facing the wind and I mean we've seen we've seen those runners and typically they're women because they end up having that separate elite start and having to if they get disconnected from that lead pack having to run basically solo time trials all the way to the finish line until eventually some guys start passing them later in the race and that is torture. I mean, you in fact have had elite level women not do Boston specifically for that reason, or
1: I asked them not to go into the elite field as we did. Right? Yeah, as you we know, did with Nora, right? I just said you're, she had elite bib. She asked me a couple times. I think, and I just said, you know, uh, my experience has been that with that women with the women going first, it's just too hard. You need. You, why not get the aid of the other bodies running around you? It's not a male versus female thing. It's just more. Bodies there with you, and if you have that option, you weren't going to win the prize money anyway, Nora, I love you, but not that you you know you you're you're, a, you're a two forty five two forty 240 marathon or not a not a two twenty so you're not so why why get out there and run all by yourself for twenty six point two miles It just seems like the most miserable, terrible thing that you could possibly do, so yeah, those ladies that come off the front come off the back of that pack, uh, hopefully they'll work together, hopefully they'll make a plan to try to stick together and 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 share in the load, and hopefully they'll have great days.
0: It also means even for those in that front pack, if they become disconnected for any period of time, it's going to be very hard to reattach. So, so with that segue, (laughs) let's talk on.
1: Let's talk about the women because you immediately would make me say Desi, right? Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Let's talk about the women
0: because that's certainly going to come up that scenario in this discussion. But before we drill into it, and I want to go female by female on this one, especially on the U.S. side, so we can talk about the resumes and what's it going to take for each of them to win. But before that, I want to reflect on the fact that this might be the greatest women's American field, or at least top four in any race ever assembled at the marathon, and Regardless of what happens, this is certainly our best chance since the mid eighties of an American female winning Boston. But beyond that, it's a really just a cool seminal moment for women's marathon marathoning in the US. And regardless of whether a, a an American wins or regardless of how any of these top four women do, we've gotta celebrate and reflect on the fact that this is history in the making.
1: We're just the only one we're missing is Amy, who ran at Amy Hastings, who ran, Amy Hastings Craig, who ran at a, a Tokyo. So if, if you know, we, the best fields, other Ameri- best American fields ever have been assembled really every four years at the Olympic trials. Um, and uh, those pale in comparison to what we're seeing. The resurgence in women's marathoning for the U.S. is unprecedented. And our, I don't think you can be too hyperbolic about how epic what's going on in women's marathoning is right now, and we know there are a number of other women who haven't even gotten put tip their hat yet to get into the marathon game that we think will be playing a big big b factors in 2020, um, but who haven't yet had their debuts yet. So um, I think this is definitely the best field ever, but I don't think it'll be the best American field in a year, and then in another year it won't. Um, so I think one number one, we should be celebrating this. We should be talking about it, and it seems like people are. Um, it seems that there's enough that the people are getting some energy. Maybe we'll get that elusive ESPN moments. Um, Mm -hmm. We saw some really cool, uh, so really cool ad with uh. Have you did you, get, did you get a chance to check that ad out with the Shalane? I, I did. It was really good, wasn't it? <laughs> she yeah, did it, was it. Awesome. She she nailed that 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 her acting role in yeah. that movie. I, lo-
0: I love seeing the other athletes in there, but she was the lead, right? I mean, you For had sure. Draymond Green and yeah other athletes, but she was the lead. So yeah, anybody who hasn't yet seen the new Shalane
1: Nike shoe commercial on Facebook, go go look it up. It's really cool, and I I just think that. This is a moment to celebrate, but guess what? Only one can win, Chris. And at the moment that that athlete comes across the finish line, assuming it's an American, if it is an American, um, then that will be the story. So we can enjoy this for another couple of hours before the race goes off.
0: (laughs) Well, and I also just want to make sure people recognize the fact that even if an American doesn't win, this is still huge for American distance running. And so be proud of this group no matter how they perform on Monday.
1: I disagree with you. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree okay. with you actually. Do I'm gonna it. Do it. I'm gonna say when are we gonna get another opportunity like this where the spotlight's on us and where we've got and if we don't win, will some of the other those those ath those people who are sports fans and who don't understand, will they look back and say, Oh well supposedly there were these great women who were gonna win win the boston marathon but you know they whiffed when the chance came so i do think there's more pressure and i i'm not saying that we shouldn't celebrate them when they come individually as people but as a group of women i hope that they're feeling some impetus at least having the competition of each other um which makes me excited because of the four women that we're talking about three of those four seem to be coming present and correct ready to tackle everything and go for the win. One of the others seems to either be playing a cat and mouse game or she just doesn't have it. And we'll talk about that in we'll a second. See, but, we'll see. Yeah. All right. So let's break it
0: down. We've got four U.S. women. We're going to start with them this time. Then we'll talk about the international contenders. Four U.S. women. And we haven't even mentioned yet Dina Castor, who happens to have the the fastest U.S. marathon on the record. She's in the field, but the age of 45 Won't be contending for the win, but we got to start with Shalane, Steve, winner of the New York Marathon, Olympic silver medalist, the certainly the greatest modern day American female distance runner, has a track resume a mile deep and a marathon resume now a mile deep has, this is, I believe her fourth Boston. So she's run here before, made the race in 2014 and got beat by, got fifth that year Got beat by two dopers. known dopers now. Rita Jeptu and Jemima Sumgong. And I think was probably the, the fastest clean athlete in that race. Even though the, the the record books only put her in third now. But coming off the New York win, the question was always going to be for Shalane is... One, is she going to retire? Two, can she then kind of get... If she doesn't, get, get her head back on straight to re-up for Boston? And...
1: It looks like she's done that. I I I think she has. I mean, what Jerry said before New York City Marathon, that she had had the best training cycle of her entire life. That is huge for a woman who's been running competitively at a very, very high level for over 20 years. She's in the best shape of her life, was in the best shape of her life five months ago. She did have a little bit of, um, you know, media obligations and uh, sort of probably for a couple of, of weeks after that race, probably leading up to the holiday, up to the Christmas holiday, probably was not optimally training, although she was doing all the things she probably needed and she probably needed to recover from the marathon. We were shocked, Chris, when we saw her run two stellar 3Ks on the track in Seattle. Um, very fast times for, um, for any woman, but especially a 36-year-old woman who's in full-on marathon training mode. So um, the times that she ran are excellent, they'll probably be top five times in the US for the, for the year given that, and, and she did them you know, probably in the middle of an incredibly hard training cycle and she got faster on the, on the two of them. Obviously changed the, what she was doing from a training perspective, got a little more wheelie turned over. Um, and then here, Chris, this is the thing that I think is the most important thing about Shalane. I guarantee you there'll be more swagger and more confidence because she has that win it's like breaking through that kind of a barrier of not being an internationally acclaimed woman marathoner, which she was She was always someone who people were looking at and hoping would win, but now she's won it, and she won it against one of the two, one of the women we're calling potentially the greatest female marathoner of all time. Um, now, Mary Kataney Mary had a bad day that day. She ran into a, a three-month surprise. She had a little... Had a woman's time come up when she wasn't expecting it. She hadn't had one in three months, and that will definitely throw you for a loop. So, we, you know, but but what's crucial here is that Shalane took advantage of that, never was afraid. And when she saw that there might not be something right, she made sure that she did what she needed to. Nobody in this field, in my opinion, is, accompli- as, com- is as accomplished as Mary Kataini is. So, if any of those women show any signs, Mar- Shalane's going to go after him. And I think she's already in a place where she thinks she can win this thing. It's not, it, it is, and, and when I mean win it, she's probably expecting to win it. With all the rec- recognition that she has as a humble, m- seasoned marathon performer who says the marathon will always win and that the, that the day only brings what the day brings. But I guarantee you she's confident and believes that she can win. And that's something I think is going to be very hard for any of these other women. To come up against
0: yeah i mean she said yesterday in the press conferences that she believes she's as fit as she was going into new york that they did mix things up a little bit in her training to add some more hill focus stuff for the boston hills but she's confident in her fitness she also talked about and she's from boston area Barblehead, born and raised and so this marathon has a special place for her and she talked a little bit about the pressure that she's carried with that in the past being here and that she's, because of the emotions of it being her hometown and wanting to perform well for that, she's she's maybe carried some emotion and some pressure in the past that she's not feeling as much now because she's got that marathon major box checked on her resume. And also she's been through it a little bit, so she probably knows how to manage those emotions a little bit more. Seems like she's having fun And this is all sort of gravy for her career at this point, which I think is a good spot to be. Now, that said, she's not bulletproof. We saw in the Olympic trials in 2016, she fell apart running with her teammate, Amy Craig, and ultimately got run down by Desi in that race. So Shalane is not bulletproof. We know that. So my question here to you, Steve, or a couple questions. One, the first is,
1: is Shalane the American favorite? I think she's the favorite. I think she has to be. I mean, the only other person that you could put ahead of her at this point in time, given their, re- I mean, the only other person you could think that could possibly also be in that position is Jordan, um, because Jordan, but because Jordan was in a marathon major and got third, but I just don't see. But but Molly Huddle got third in a in a in a world marathon major. Um, so no, I mean Desi, I think Desi's a step behind. So yeah, Shalane is the favorite in my opinion. Um and she is going to make sure that someone has to run through her to get the Boston Marathon win, whether they're American or they're international. It doesn't matter. They're going to have to go through Shalane to get the win. Um, I do think, too, one of the other things is Shalane Watt, I watched Shalane a year ago do the play-by-play on TV. Mm-hmm. It, it, you, I think that's... That I watched her for three hours talk about the Boston Marathon, and I think that combined with the win is going to make her. She has, she's, she's. You could feel in that how much she missed being out there and being out on that race course. And I think she has had a lot of time and a lot of public time to be thinking about what that race means. And I think by running, winning New York, as you said, she takes sort of the the, the pressure off. And now it's a fun thing that she can go out and get. That's a really dangerous position to be in when you've got somebody who you think is the favorite, but they feel like maybe they're an underdog in a way. Um, so that's really weird. I just said Shalane probably thinks she's a favorite, but I also think she's an underdog. I don't know how that really plays out, but ultimately. Steve speak. Yeah, exactly. There's, she's coming into it with a really in a really, really good position, one that's, I think, a better psychological and strategic position than any of the other women in the race, of all of the women racing.
0: Okay, so then let's turn to Jordan say finished third last year in Boston and also third in Chicago, ran in Chicago the in a time of one twenty one and change, the second two twenty one and change, sorry, the second fastest American marathon ever by time, behind Dina Castor, who's in this race, has proven that the marathon is definitely her event and now has experience on this course but at the same time has never beaten any of these athletes head to head. Nope. And the question mark for her with me is, can she win? Does she have that champion
1: mindset? What do you think? I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out on Monday. Um, I think she has this, you know, does she have the champion mindset? I think so. Um, I truly think so. I think there are enough things in Jordan's world that have aligned in the last 18 months to put her in a position where it's conceivable to think of her as the, standing on the top of the podium at Boston this year. She's had um she lost her mother in November um of 2016. Uh after that then she got into the Boston Marathon and ran a really smart, wily, very above her ability level and above anything we'd seen from her since she was in high school. Um, And then she backed that up with what I would call her best race of her life at Chicago. And all of that has probably been in play here to tee this race off. I imagine when she came across the finish line, she told her coach, I want Boston next year, and probably everything has been lining up to get to that point. So you take uh, someone who, I think there's been a giant shift in Jordan Hessey since the law, passing of her mother, and that there is now a new level of focus, commitment, and belief in her. And yes, she didn't really get it done when she, in her collegiate career. Although she did win national championships, she just she didn't dominate the way everybody expected her to. Certainly not the way Galen did. Certainly not the way um, Edward Cheserek did. She did not do what a lot of people thought she would do at that level. Um, and then she struggled as soon as she came out of college trying to find her place. But Chris, she's, this is her event she's smooth, she's strong, she's very very focused. I think she is the absolute epitome of the dumb runner ethos that I like to talk about where she's an she's an intelligent young woman but she just does follows the plan and doesn't think too much and um yeah, I think that Jordan is I think Jordan is someone who has a shot at winning this race um regardless of the way the race is run. I think she can turn it over at coast. I think she's in probably in shape to run sub 2:20. I really do believe that. I mean, she ran t- 221 basically at Chicago. This course is not going to go that fast, but they're prepared better for that and she now knows the race course. She knows places she can sneak in, where she can where she can do things. She's raced against Florence Kiplagat head to head on this race. She knows how Florence got away from Edna, her, Edna, 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 how she got away from her late in the race and and that she, you know, I think at that point Jordan was holding on to third, but you know, ultimately I do think that the answer is yes. She has the ability to be in it and to win. Whether she will or not, that's that's what Monday that's what Monday will bring. Her coach,
0: Alberto Salazar and she both said that she's in equivalent PR shape, obviously, mm-hmm. not necessarily on this course, but in PR shape. Also, it's interesting. She mentioned in the press conferences yesterday that she's been training a big chunk of this block in San Luis Abisco, Obispo, which is her her home with where her brother and dad still live. And so she's been around family, which I would assume has been cathartic for her. She talked about how that made it made a, a relaxed training environment, checking in mostly with Alberto on the phone. And so so that tells me that her head is in a good spot. She did have the little niggle around the world half championships that required her to drop out of that race. But she said that was just a week's worth of a perennial tight perennial tendon that had kind of flared up. They worked through it, and then she was able to, in the last four weeks, kind of do everything as she had planned. So she missed one long run and a couple workouts, but that was it. So she said no issues with her health with her foot and was very, very confident in her press conference yesterday. So that's Jordan Hesse. Fast already, but can she get it done When the pressure's on at the end. Let's go next to Desiree Linden, who is now running her sixth Boston. She's been a second here in 2011. Was only two seconds behind the winner Uh, in a a back and forth. What a great race. Great, amazing race race that came down to Boylston Street. She's been fourth place here a couple of times. Was in this race last year. I believe finished fifth and... You know, is really the only one of these four American favorites that are that is a marathon specialist. In that, you take her out of the marathon, and she's there's there's she's nothing special at the elite level, but you put her in a marathon, especially a marathon like this that's hilly and it's not paced, and you've got to you've got to account for Des. Now, the thing we've talked about, and we love Des, we're huge fans, but the thing we've talked about with her is that. She doesn't have the speed, the gear change ability that these other athletes have, especially in the final 10K. So my question about Dez, Steve, is what are some scenarios for her that play to her strengths that will allow her the best opportunity to win this race? I don't know.
1: (laughs) I mean, I've tried to go through a variety of different scenarios with the wind the way it is and the way it's going to play out likely with as it gets the wind will get stiffer as they run into Boston and they'll be the first people on the road eventually the men may catch them but I don't know that the men will catch them at this race but it's like I just seriously think that there's going to be a scenario where if she if she decides to try to run her own race off the front or off the back that's a lot of work to do so she's going to have to stick in the pack now the one thing that might help her with that is A lot of times she just does her own thing and therefore has ground to make up. I think last year when I watched her, I thought there was a couple times she was going to come back on that pack and might even win the race. I mean, Edna Kiplegott at the end was just not going to be stopped. But, you know, if she she just gave them too much room and she couldn't make it up, she won't do that this time, Chris. She won't be able to give them that kind of space. And she's not going to be able to run from the back or from the front, in my opinion. So she has to run in that pack. Is that an asset or a liability? It's gotta
0: be a liability for her. I mean, to me, the only shot she has is if somehow she could get away and they let her go and she somehow does a meb, pulls a meb and and sneaks one in on them and is able to hold them off. But I think with the wind the way it is, to go off the front by yourself in this race is gonna be suicide. And yeah, it might make for interesting TV, but if that happens, I think it's only a matter of time before she gets reeled in. So she has to stay in the pack, but then she doesn't have the gear change ability. She can't run five minute miles like Edna Kiplegott did starting right after uh, Newton last year. So, And then she pops off. And in the past, she's been able to yo-yo a little bit sometimes where she pops off if somebody surges and comes back on them. But with the wind, if she ever gets caught out by herself, she's going to be working too much. And I'm just not sure she can regain contact like her style tends to lend itself towards. So I'm worried about that for her. But at the same time, She's a fighter. She talked about it in the press conference about how she loves the weather. <laughs> she likes the bad weather. And if if something happens and others fall away, she will not fall away. She's going to have a solid result I no think matter what. I this is so
1: interesting. There was a lot of questions, a lot of statements about the weather at the press conference yesterday. Yep. These ladies don't give a fly, <laughs> flying flip. They don't fucking care what the weather is. There's not a single one of them that is sitting there worrying about it. Now, maybe we did hear... Two of the internationals a little bit have of some issue about it having some issues, but these Americans have run in every weather condition at every circumstance, and they know everybody is running into the same conditions in the same day in the same circumstances. So it is no benefit to anybody any weather condition. I do think if it had been hot, there would be some people that would have a much bigger, maybe have more of a benefit than others, but I just don't believe that there's anything it's going to be it's going to be a strategic race where people are keeping their eye on each other until somebody makes a big bold move and then it's going to be hang on hang on hang on and see what happens so i just don't i don't see that weather being an, a, a significant issue in terms of uh somebody just finally somebody one of these four americans choking because of the weather i just don't see that happening
0: I agree with that and the thing with desi is i i think she has the least shot on paper of winning of these four americans but at the same time, I think I'd be most happy
1: if she pulled uh, I, it off. I, I'm not gonna. I I don't know. I think I'd be as happy if Shalane won it because I think that that would be, that would be so her. That would be so. She would become a a hero to so many people. Um, I would still be happy if Shalane won. I'm just saying yeah. most happy. Cool. I think All I'd right. be most happy if Shalane won. Fair enough. Anyway. So
0: let's talk Molly Huddle. Fascinating story here. It's only her second marathon. She finished third at New York in 2016 has been primarily a track runner up until really track and road
1: runner. She's run a lot of right. Fair enough.
0: Track and road runner, but not marathon runner really up until this cycle, even in, you know, even in the New York cycle in 2016, it came right off. She came right off the back of Rio and Ray Tracy, her coach said that it was pretty much just a bolt on sort of suboptimal build to a marathon. Then this is really her first dedicated marathon cycle where she kind of did the whole build. And, as I've said before in this podcast, it's death, taxes, and Molly Huddle as it relates to U.S. competition. She just hasn't been beat on the tracker or road. She hasn't lost to an American in a road race in six years. She's got 26 U.S. championships. She's never lost in a race to Jordan or Dez. She does have a minus record against Shalane, who's beaten her 19 out of 25 times. But the last time Shalane beat her was in 2011 course they didn't have a lot of overlap because shalane at the time was running track and then she moved full-time to the marathon but molly is known as a winner and so you've got that she's also incredibly fast has the 10k track u.s record has the road yeah. half marathon record which she just broke which she just broke in houston so we know she's fast. 107 25 she ran blazing fast in the 15k <laughs> yes and only one american ever has run faster that for the half which was Kara Goucher, who ran that on a uncertified course downhill, but she's blazing fast. Those are her strengths. And the question is, does it translate as she moves up? Now we were talking this week, Steve, about how the only predictor for marathon success is a marathon (laughs) and (laughs) the half can give you some clues. The 10 K can give you some clues, but it's not necessarily definitive. The marathon is definitely a different beast The other thing with Molly, and we listened to her, some of our interviews, not only yesterday from the press conferences, but also some recent podcasts she's been on, and she's talking in a way I've never heard her speak, which is sort of very kind of unsure about what her potential is in the marathon. She said things to the effect of, I'm not sure if the marathon will accept me. (laughs) I'm not sure if I'm quite ready for this. Her coach says she could run 220 right now, but she says, I don't know if that's true. So... What do you
1: make of Molly Huddle? I mean, that's a huge question. Well, The first thing I'll say is I have no idea why so many of these other pundits are picking her for the win. That's true. To a lot me, of people are picking Molly. I can't conceive of any way you pick Molly better than second in this field. I would put her at third in this field in terms of what I'm not, I'm not saying that's my prediction. What I'm saying is that that's sort of where I would place her. I, but I think people should place her a bit above Desi because she's had such great races this cycle. But she, her two twenty eight at New York City is Chris. It is a soft result. It came off of the Olympic Games. Soft meaning not that relevant. It, it wasn't. It's not as indica- indicative of right. her marathon potential. I think Molly is definitely potential of a two twenty four, two twenty five. But Molly needs to run a two twenty two or a two twenty one in order to be able to run with Jordan and Shalane period, and she needs to be able to run 223 to 224 to be able to run with Desi, period. And we don't even know if she's there yet. We know that she's got the equivalency times, but does she have it? She did more mileage. She ran more consistently. She did the kinds of key workouts that were necessary and essential to being ready from what they say. But you know, Chris, also, Ray Tracy doesn't have a lot of marathon success, He, he as opposed to the coaches that are are... You know, have athletes that are running for Jerry Schumacher's marathon success. Obviously, now is a given. Um, you know, Alberto Salazar is obviously there, and the Hansons have had amazing success with Desi, who has now been at a very high level at many World Majors. And so, you know, I just don't see where all this or all this hubbub is about Molly. I I know she's an incredibly fashion, she's one of the greatest American distance runners in U.S. history. Period. No doubt about it. But she's not a proven marathoner yet. And to give her that position, it's exciting to watch her race. If she won, Chris, I would be super excited about the sport as well. But I just don't see her killer. I don't see a killer instinct and an attitude that will allow her to overcome the marathon wins mentality. The marathon, she's basically saying she already knows that the marathon is going to beat her. And if the marathon is <laughs> going to beat her, then I think two other people at least are going to beat her on, from the U.S., if not more bodies than that. Yesterday she was asked, "Would she be happy if she didn't win?" And the answer to that question was yes. Well, that that's and that it. tells me all I need to. That's exact. That's exactly right. That's a telling statement, probably one she'll never make a mistake in making again. Not from a pre-race strategic perspective, because I don't think Molly gives two two shits about everybody else. But in terms of the way that you've got to go into a race and the mindset you have to have of being a warrior and not allowing the race to beat you, she's already opened up multiple windows of of scary situations for herself. She's shown chinks in her own armor that, believe me, um, the the marathon gods will shoot their arrows through. <laughs> and for sure, Shalane... Flanagan will have – her coaches will have already listened to every single interview there possibly is so that Shalane, who knows how to destroy people, is ready to do it. Did you notice Jordan didn't make any missteps of that kind of nature? Nope. None at all. There's nothing that Shalane's going to be able – Shalane is going to have to be looking at at Jordan throughout the entire race to try to figure out where her weak spot is. And – Already, Molly, in the two weeks prior, three weeks prior to the race, has basically rolled over like a dog and exposed her stomach for the other women to just flay her. So yeah. I just don't see it happening. I mean, I would love for it to happen. And if it does, and she's ascended here, Chris, holy shit. Everybody's in deep, deep trouble. Right. Because if you get death death, taxes, and Molly huddle into the marathon, (laughs) it's going to be a real problem for everybody else. But I'm not convinced that's going to happen, and she certainly hasn't shown anything in these last two weeks to make me believe that. What do you think? The
0: other thing I agree with all of that, the other thing with Molly that I think is going to be challenging for her is that when you see her racing on the track and the road, she tends to do better off of relatively consistent pacing. Very good point. Especially faster pacing. So I think... She would do better in a paced race on a flat course. You know, I think most of the Americans avoid the Berlin's and the London's and the Chicago's of the world because the paces get too hot for them. But I think Molly would be one that would really excel at those because she does well off of consistent pacing. But this kind of race, it's going to be slow and dawdle for probably
1: 20 miles and then be a crazy fast final 10K. Is going to be tough for her. I also think it's going to be thrown. they're going to be going faster and slower. I think you'll see some 510 miles out there that, that then roll back to 550 miles. Yeah. That's not something that I think Molly's going to be prepared for. She's got. Especially to, over 26 miles. It's going to mess with her mechanics. It's going to mess with the game she plays. Now, she'll be great in a field with a lot of bodies around her. Right. She's really good, as Galen is, at being able to handle herself in a marathon, in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in tight quarters. But. The kind of pace changes that are going to happen out there, the running from side to side um, on that course, the way that people are going to be gaming it and and playing each other, um, I worry for Molly and how she's going to handle all that. And she's going in, in my opinion, less in less than optimal in a, from a mental perspective. So those
0: are the four american favorites certainly as we mentioned dina castor is also in the race she's 45 now but ran 227 to set the masters u.s master's record in chicago and three years ago she has been very coy about her goals for this race but alluded that she'd like to get under 230 and break the 45 to 49 record held by colleen DeRook. i think for her it also wouldn't be a a bad thing to requalify for the Olympic trials. So she could do that if she wanted to a la Joan Benoit and her consistency there through the years. But, but Dina will be someone just to kind of keep an eye on and see how she does. Kellen Taylor will also be in this field. She finished eighth at New York with, with a 229. doesn't have the pedigree of some of these, but she says she's going for the podium. She'll be the tallest one in that lead pack, kind of a long lean lanky runner. She's been training with Ben Rosario and the Hoka crew. She'll be in the Hoka kit. And while not probably a threat to dethrone the the four American favorites, you never know where she could end up. I think she could be top 10 on a good day, which would be probably a good result for her.
1: Well, you know, I do think, Chris, first two things. First of all, I'm going to run off the Kellen Taylor thing. That girl is fearless. She's an absolute baller. She loves crazy racing styles. So she's one of those wild cards that if something happens in this race and somebody goes out, somebody goes out, she may go chase that right. and Ben, Ben she and ben have both said that she's in really good shape that yep. she they think that she's in sub two twenty five shape, maybe even better than that. They don't know exactly where. But she's in incredibly good shape. And this is the quintessential baller on race day. She hasn't won big races, but she's run ab- out of her above her ability level many times. And if her ability level has raised, then that's a real question in a race that, that... And she's also somebody who might be dumb enough to go off the front <laughs> at some crucial time. I'm, I'm going to say bold enough to, to stretch, go off the front. <laughs> to stretch yeah. the race out. And this, on this day, on this day on, on Monday, I think it'll be dumb, but anyway, we'll, yeah, yeah. but we'll still right. cheer her on for it and, and give her kudos for whatever she does do. But I do think she's one of those wild cards that could change things up. Yeah, and she's easy to spot in the field. So. Yes, for it's sure. All, it's all one count. Yeah. And then Dina... um who cares what she runs right i mean it's just (laughs) she just wrote a book about mental toughness and being are you kidding me look at this i mean she's she's bringing she's going at it again now one thing we did talk about with her though is 230 she may be running a 230 solo and this is the tiniest this is a teeny tiny woman who is tough as nails but this is the kind of day that um you know she may actually go with that pack for longer than she needs to, but she, I guarantee you, she may not get the 230 because she can't close late and the race gets won in 228 or 227. And, you know, no matter how, even if you are in 230 shape, if the race goes at 232 shape for 20 miles, and, you know, you, you're just not going to be able to make enough ground up. So, um, but kudos to her for being out there and for being, um, you know, just, Staying in the game. Staying in the game. And staying in the game well, you know. So it, we're excited to see her run.
0: It's, I think, also appropriate that she's in this field, given the, the American chances. That yeah. She's, cool. she's the greatest American marathoner. Yes. And so we'll see how she does. In terms of international field, it's it's I, it's I crazy that we've got more probably American f- potential winners than we do international potential winners in this field, which is rare. So we've got of course the defending champion Edna Kiplagat, who had a hell of a last year winning Boston getting second in the world championships and then getting fourth at New York only two and a half months after Worlds. Turning around again for Boston although this time she'll have four months between the two races. Because she's a favorite and because she's a compliment, consummate racer and baller she's got to be in the mix. You also have Mirja and Bijanish Deva would be the other two that I would flag. Deva is the winner from 2014, at least. She finished second on the day, but after Jep2 got busted, she is the winner from that year, 2014. She also holds the course record for the women, but hasn't done much recently. I think she hasn't run under 230 since 2015, I want to say. And then Mirja, she's won a bunch of races, won Dubai several times, won London, has some recent solid results. She's sort of the wild card, I think, of the of the international crew that could potentially pull a win here if everything goes well for her.
1: Am I missing anybody on the international side, Steve? I don't know. I mean there might be somebody that wins the damn race that we haven't talked about, but that's just the way these things yeah, go. Exactly. <laughs> so then
0: with and so let's talk Edna Kibogat just for a second, and then I want to do predictions. Edna Kibogat, defending champion, but well, this is her fourth marathon in 360, I think, seven days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what is that crazy? Does that you if think it, affect at this, her at all at this pl- at, it, at the age of 38, by the way.
1: Uh, you know, I would say it would affect anybody, and I would say it's a it's a real. There's no way to give her a chance. I mean, heck there was an outside chance I was going to give Tolo the win and he's run two marathons in that amount of time. Right. And, um, I think Kipa, but Kipa has been able to do this before. She's done it many, many times and she should be the favorite. I wouldn't put her as the favorite. I put Shalane as the favorite, but she should be the favorite based on her success. I just don't, I, I, and I do think that she'll, she'll be a, she'll be a major player in the way that this race plays out the way that she closed Boston. She obviously loves Boston. She loves the downhill and the way the downhill rolls. Um, but we're, but we've got something else going on here. That's going to affect both of these international athletes. And I don't think they're going to want to run in this weather. I do not think that the Kenyans or the Ethiopians are ready for low fifties with wind right in their face. Um, and they're going to be negative and rain. They're going to be negatively affected. They both in their press conferences talked about that. These were less than optimal conditions one of them. I can't remember which of the two basically said this is going to really suck or, to that to some in some way to Kip- that effect. Kiplegott, I believe. Yeah. So, you know, normally I would say yes, but I just think that the, the races that come up against her. She, the reason the other thing to think about Chris here. This is another important part. We didn't talk about this with them with Karui, but it's a stupid financial decision for an athlete not to come back to defend their title at a World Marathon major. Why? Because their appearance fee is super big. And so I think that this is obviously a woman who has her eyes on things other than winning championships. Not that she doesn't want to win titles and win championships, but she's definitely a very savvy businesswoman in the sport. And I think that she's probably here... Even if she's in optimal condition, she may decide to, she may have decided today or tomorrow at some point in time to mail this thing in and not worry about it because she got paid a big paycheck to show up on the starting line. I'm not saying that's going to happen. And I don't think anybody should begrudge her if she chooses to. Right. You get to come back. You should take advantage <laughs> yeah. of it. But people show back up to the races they win. Mark my words. Shalane Flanagan will be on the starting line in New York City. I'll be shocked if she isn't on the starting line in New York City. Kissing babies. They're going to pay her so much money that she'd be foolish not to show up. So, um, of course, then that begs the question, what happens if she wins here? Will she come back to Boston again? At what point in time did that (laughs) law of diminishing returns play out? But anyway. She did say yesterday this was going to be her last Boston. Okay, so, which I believe that Chilene, that might be Chilene, the case. Chilene, that is, yeah. yeah that, that may be the case, but I think that that's another play that goes in there with Edna Kiplagat in terms of thinking through the different strategies that could be at play there. So, that's my point. Although, don't sleep on her. You don't close in five-minute miles at Boston on a hot day if you are not an absolute, complete <laughs> stud. And she would be in our list of top five marathon potential you know greatest of all time in the marathon on the women's side she's in that conversation so you know and the all and we're sitting here saying we think american women are going to beat her which is absolutely so crazy and
0: cool chris it is okay so let's talk predictions and this one was hard for me because as i looked at it and looked at it and thought about it and thought about it, i couldn't not pick Shelaine for the win and yet i'm sitting here bracing myself Trying to think of all the ways that that <laughs> could go differently, and because it just seems to me that it's almost c- too good to be true, to have this American field the way it is, and and I'm just I don't want to set myself up for disappointment, <laughs> but I can't, I I just as I think about it going around in circles I can't see a scenario where Shalane doesn't win this race. She's fit, she's done it, she's won New York, so now she's loose, doesn't have the same pressure. So you're calling? She can it, huh? win. I'm calling Shalane for the win. She can. I think any type of race, a race that goes faster, a race that goes slower, gear change, she can deal with all of that stuff. She's a savvy veteran at the marathon at this point. She knows this course. She wants to do it for the city. At the same time, she doesn't have the same pressure she had before. She, this time, she's not going to go crazy like she did in 2014 and go off the front and totally just bury herself for the day. So I'm picking Jelaine for the win. I've got Kiplagat for second because... You know, I don't think you get top four in three major marathons in the last year without being an absolute baller. I'm going to for third because I think she has she's I think she's a third place marathoner. That's what she's proven so far in Chicago and Boston last year. And I think when the going gets hot racing for the win, I think she'll wilt under the two savvy racers in Shalane and Kiplegott. But I think she's also so talented to not think she could be on the podium is crazy. So I'm going Shalane, Kip Lagat, top three. After that, if I were to rank them, because I went all the way to six, I went Merja for fourth, Desi for fifth, re re uh, hitting that spot again from like last year, and I've got Huddle in sixth.
1: Still, can you imagine that if
0: we had four women in the top six? It would be insane. I mean, I think there's a real chance we could sweep the podium here, which would be crazy. But so for me, it's it's Shalane... And
1: then Kip Lugat has say Merja Des Huddle. Okay, well, Chris, I mean I don't know how in the world you can't pick Shalane Flanagan to win this race, but okay. I'm not picking her to win this race. <laughs> of course you're not. I'm not. And thank um, goodness. I uh, I actually think we're going to sweep. I think women are the U.S. women will sweep this. I think no. Merja and Kip Lugat are. I think Kip Lugat's coming for the dollars, and I think Merja showed in her. And the, the intel I got yesterday listening to those press conferences, I don't think she's going to be able to handle this weather. I think the Americans are going to run this race. Um, I don't know that they're going to run the boss the race from the start to finish. But I think when we get to 16 and the and the, and the climbing starts to happen, you're going to see Americans playing against each other in very interesting ways. Kiplegat will still be in that that field, and mergia will probably be in that field, but I think somewhere in that zone, they will start to drop off, and then you're going to have an epic battle. I think at that point in time, I think Shalane will take the lead. I think Shalane is going to go to the front and do the work. Why? Unless Molly does. There's a chance that Molly will go to the front and do the work, and there's a chance that Desi will go to the front and do the work, but I think Desi's too smart Molly might do it because she just doesn't know any better, but I think she's just also hesitant enough that she'll sit off the back and wait and see what happens. I don't, don't, don't say that I think there's going to be four <laughs> Americans in the lead pushing each other by themselves. I think the Kipagat and will be in there, but I don't think... I think it's going to be a pretty amazing pack there. I think Shalane's... And the reason why I'm picking Jordan Hesse to win this race is I think Shalane's going to do more work, and I think there's no chance. There is a 0% chance that Jordan Hesse will do work at any point in time in this race. And I do think that the way that Shalane has run and the kind of athlete that Shalane is will be her downfall in this race and that she'll do too much work and that I believe that Jordan Hesse will go by her near the end. I also believe that Molly Huddle will go by her by the end because if – Shalane does do this work And she doesn't win It would be stupid for me To pick her a second Because I think (laughs) More bodies are going to go By her than the one And so I'm going to go With Jordan Hase with the win Molly Huddle for second And I'm going to put Shalane Flanagan in third place I'm going to They're going to go One, two, three U.S. sweep It's going to be Absolutely (laughs) incredible (laughs) After that I'm going Kip Then I'm going uh, Desi And then I'm going Mergia So we agree with Desi In fifth And that's it And that's it I know it's a really unconventional, but I've gone through this, Chris. You know, we were driving back down from Houston, I mean from Dallas, and I made this statement and I was like, well, I'm just going to say it because you picked (laughs) Shalane. But I've actually convinced myself, unlike most of these prediction contests where I make my decision, like literally 2.3 seconds before my mouth opens up, (laughs) um, I actually thought through this one and came up with this strategy where I think that Shalane's race tactics and techniques – the only way it doesn't happen that way is if Desi goes up there and does that work. And if that happens, then Shalane will get the win. Um, if Desi does work, Shalane will get the win. But that's not what my prediction is. My prediction is that Desi won't be there or she won't do the work and that Shalane will do it. Um, and of course, Molly's another question mark in there. And what if Kiplagat takes it? I just don't think Kiplagat's going to take it. I think she's going to be uncomfortable in the weather and she's not going to take it. If she does take it, she won't take it till late. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's my be, pick. It's going to be Those fascinating. It's going to be fascinating. But that's the thing.
0: To watch as you're watching this, folks, is is who's doing the work and when? Because every time somebody has
1: to be on the front, it's going to cost. That's going to have to... And every time they don't, that means they're going to slow down to 530, 545, 550 per mile. And then everybody's uncomfortable and nobody's happy. And it turns into a completely different kind of race. So this is one of those races that if you've ever watched the men's mile... This is exactly <laughs> the way men run the mile, but, but, but nobody but has a marathon, but nobody has a choice in this race because of the way the wind is coming in and the weather conditions and the, the, the equal level of talent with these women too. It just plays out for just an incredibly interesting storyline um, m- much like the men's, but the men's doesn't have as many Americans and it doesn't have as much. There's just clear definitive three, in my opinion, on the men's side in terms of with a fourth and deceased and being so great, but it's just going to play differently in the women's race. Cause there's, they're Americans, they know each other and this is serious, serious. This is more than money, right? For the Americans. It's something yeah. way more. This is, they're riding a wave and the woman who takes this win will be, Will their career will change more than any other athletes, in my opinion. There'll be a completely different storyline about Americans' women's marathoning after this race, and the woman who wins this race will be the key player in that, and I think it's going to be Jordan. And I think at that point in time, you're going to have a new queen of the marathon, and she's not going (laughs) to give it up, as I think Jordan has an ability and the chance to win the Olympic gold medal, and she's the only woman in that field, in this field, that I think has the ability to win the Olympic gold medal. For the United States. That's why I think it's time for her to show up, and she will show up. And
0: we haven't mentioned yet, but Lisa Rainsberger was the last American to win Boston in 1985. So it's been 33 years. Before money came into the game, right? That was the last year before they had prize money starting in 86. And then the internationals have won ever since. So... We'll see. We've got our best chance. It's going to be exciting, but it's it's not a done deal because I could imagine scenarios where Kipligat or Mersha win this race. Absolutely.
1: And Actually, so, most people will think we're absolutely foolish and that we're that we're we're, we're <laughs> making predictions with our hearts, which we might be. But I just that that press conference changed. I had Kipligat. I had Kip probably for the win all the way up until I mean she was still I was still trying to decide the scenario. Once I heard their interviews, Chris, I was like, okay, here's the scenario where this can play out <laughs> the way I think it's going to play out. <laughs> So US sweep would be insane. Yep. The other side
0: note on that, by the way, is that some people will say about the men's race that Ruff could be the first American boy American born champion since Meyer in eighty three. And I just want to say that's a bullshit thing. That's weak because sauce. Meb is the damn American and I don't care if he, where he period. was born. Who gives a shit? He was raised in our system and he's he's you you can, know, whoever wants to, to say that to can go fucking that, <laughs> make America great again, yeah, okay? You guys go ahead the, and make America great splice again. Splice it that way is bullshit. <laughs> so <laughs> Meb is an American, was an American. 2014 is the last time a man, American man won this race, so don't let them splice into that 83 bullshit. But anyway, I digress, and we've got to wrap this one. So thanks for listening. If you've gotten this far, come see us if you're in Boston at the Weston Copley at one thirty in the Weston Lobby Bar, Bar 10 and tune in on Rogue Running Facebook Facebook Live at 9:15 Eastern on monday and we'll be live commentating and as steve we've said it's going to be awesome or it's going to be a total disaster but if
1: we suck we're going to roll with if it we suck go back to the yeah. go if back to suck, your normal feed if
0: we suck you don't have to watch <laughs> exactly so
1: we, we be, won't be in our underwear right we Chris? Won't we be. won't be in our underwear <laughs> we,
0: yeah we uh so we'll see we're excited but also this is our first time so it's a complete and total experiment but anyway thank you all for listening We'll talk to you guys on Monday. This has been episode 70 of the Running Rogue Podcast.